Good morning, church. How is everybody doing today? Y'all are a little louder than first service because y'all have uh, more sleep. But I'm going to ask again, how are y'all doing today? You're doing all right? All right, there we go. Most of you are here, so um, mentally, verbally, I'm glad y'all are here today. Like Pastor James mentioned, my name is Ricky. My wife, Haley, and I get to lead the 8th through 12th grade ministry here called Real Life. Glad y'all are doing good. Real Life's over there, as if you couldn't hear them. Um, I'm doing a lot better than I was last week. Thank you for asking. Um, I caught the flu at the very end of last week, um, and I'm not contagious anymore, so if I've already shaken your hand, uh, you're all right, you're good, you're covered by uh, Jesus. But um, it was a rough last week because 12 hours before we went on a mission trip with 18 students, three leaders, by the way, I want to say thank you to Sydney, to Magni, to Maggie, uh, and to Christy uh, who helped lead that trip because as you're about to hear, I didn't get to go on the trip because I had the flu. And so I want to say thank you all. Y'all give them a round of applause for taking over the trip, leading it well. They kept everybody alive, so that is always a win. Um, but with the flu, you know that you are pretty tired, you're worn out. And so I slept for a really long time on Sunday last week. And then because I slept so long, I've have a compressed nerve in my back a little bit, I guess, or something. And so the only time it was comfortable is when I was standing. But, you know, if you've had the flu, you don't want to stand. You want to sit or lay down the entire time. And that's when my back hurt the worst. And so um, not only that, I didn't get to go on this trip that we had planned for and put a lot of work towards. And so just to be honest, I was a little discouraged. Um, I kept asking God why. Had to tell myself at least 100 times that God's not surprised by this, that he's not shocked. I just felt like everything was coming from all angles. Anyone ever been in that spot? You just feel like you're being, like you don't even know what's going on. It's just conflict everywhere. And I think in life, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think in life there's really two types of conflicts. There's a kind that you expect and then there's a kind that you don't expect. And so maybe the kind that you expect is a court date. Maybe you've been speeding a lot recently or maybe something a little less severe or more severe. Maybe uh, it's a conversation that you're going to have to have with somebody that you love, a hard conversation. One of those ones that nobody likes confronting someone or someone that you don't love having to have that conversation with them. Or maybe it's a season in your life where you know what's on the horizon, but you know what's unavoidable and you know there's going to be some conflict in that season. The other type is a type that we're not aware of. Um, and usually we don't know what that is until it hits us because we're not aware of it. But it hits us right in our tracks sometimes. And that's kind of what we're talking about today with David and Goliath. In general, I don't think that I have to walk through and discern and try to identify for you what you're up against or what you are against in your season. Maybe it is a fight or a battle or a giant in your life or maybe somebody that you know or that you love. I don't think it would be necessary for me to tell you what that thing is because odds are you already know what it is because you're going up against it. And we know that in the future, there's always going to be something, and God's waiting for us, there's always going to be something that's against us. Whether it's someone, some thought, or something, we have to be ready. And we really have to ask ourselves, how much faith do I have that God is who he says he is? How much faith do I have that God is who he says he is? I think that faith is something that we can always settle in our spirit. So whether our minds are against it or our bodies or the season of life is going in one direction, our faith has to stay constant. And I think we always settle that in our spirits. I believe that faith is a choice in every season that we go through. That faith is a choice that we have to choose and no one can choose it for us. You know, I'm of the ripe age of 29 years old, so I'm not old, I'm not young, I'm just 29. Some of y'all um, have been there um, a few decades ago. Some of y'all are there now. Um, but I think what I've learned in life is that we rarely get to choose our seasons. 
We don't get to choose our seasons very often, but we do get to choose our spirit in those seasons. We get to choose how we respond. Let's jump into our scripture and talk about this a little bit. This is in 1 Samuel 17. We're talking about Saul. He's the king of Israel. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Ella and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, Gath sorry, came out from the Philistine camp and he was over nine feet tall. So if you were to take like almost this entire podium and put it on top of my head, that's how big this guy is. I'm not fighting him. Maybe one of y'all would, not me, not today. So in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. You know, sometimes in life, our giants, that battle, that season that we're in, kind of talks down to us a little bit and gets us discouraged. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites, they were dismayed and they were terrified. They were dismayed and they were terrified. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for what you did in first service and just ask that you would do it again. Lord, we know, I know that it's by your spirit, that it's by your power that I'm even here today. Just ask that you would create life change everybody here. Lord, I believe this message is for everybody, whether it's in a season we're in now or a season in the future. So speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. How many of you, by a show of hands, like to watch American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, like the singing shows? I like to watch those shows. I like to watch the ones who are good at singing. I don't really care about the ones they make humor out of. How many of y'all, actually, I'm not going to ask you, but um, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, the show that you get married in 12 days and all these fake dates everyone else paid for, like, no one really likes those shows. I know a lot of you do. I'm just kidding. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, America's Got Talent, The Voice, that type of stuff. There is going to be a video here in just a moment I'm going to show you. And you have to believe me right now that the guy that's on this video does not know English. He doesn't know a word of English. He uses a translator for all his interviews for YouTube. He um, is not fluent in the English language. But he wants to be an English country western singer. And so there's a little bit of um, animosity there. There's a little bit of conflict there. Check out this video and see what he did about it. And by morning from Saint everything that I've got is just what I've got. Sky. I'll be barking at a county fair Amarillo by morning Amarillo's on my mind So homie can sing pretty well, but I promise you, you have to trust me. He does not know English. When I saw that in person, it wasn't live, but I saw it on TV. Like, it was amazing. And I think it's incredible that he knows that he doesn't know English, and that he has every excuse in the world not to be an English country western singer, but he didn't let that stop him. It wouldn't be bad if we were to blame him for not pursuing that because it's not something that is natural, but he took what he had and he worked with it. And that's point number one is to work with what you have in the season that you're in. Let me show you what I mean 
in our story. You have this young boy, David. Scholars say he was between the ages of 12 and 15, so he might be in junior high, maybe in high school, and he wasn't even of the legal fighting age at the age of 20. So you had to be 20 years old to fight if you were an Israelite at that time. Because he was a shepherd, I want you to remember as we go throughout this message, he was a shepherd before he was a warrior. He was a shepherd before he was a king. And because he was a shepherd, that meant that he worked with sheep. Now, I don't have any hands-on experience with sheep, but I've heard a little bit. I've heard that they are dumb, like D-U-M, like they are dumb. Like they don't understand anything they can't spell, that uh, they're not very good listeners. They have to have harsh correction to get back on track. And I've heard that they smell and stink a lot, that they poop a lot. And I think it's funny that God, a lot of times in Scripture, refers to us as sheep. So be encouraged. We're at church today. Um, in this season that David was in, he didn't have much to work with, but I do know that he worked well and that he worked hard. Because when Samuel, who was the head prophet, he was like the religious leader of the Israelites, when he came to town to choose the next king, some of you have maybe heard, he was out working. He wasn't even at the ceremony at that time. He was working and being faithful with what God entrusted him with in that season. And so for you, I want you to ask yourself, am I being faithful with my church? Am I being faithful with my family? Am I being faithful to my friends and to my job? Am I being faithful to my life group? Am I being faithful to my quiet time, praying and reading and worshiping by yourself? Are you being faithful when God speaks to you, when you hear his voice, that whisper? Are you being faithful then, because when you're in the season of opposition, when you're really in any season of life, if you're not being faithful with what God gave you last, why would God give you what's next? He wants to see you be faithful now. And I want to encourage you to work well, just like David did now, to be faithful in this season, even if it's not an easy season, be faithful in this season now. Maybe you want to be a country western singer. I don't know. But whatever that season is, let's be faithful in that season. I know that David was faithful in the shepherd season, and God knew that. And, and God knew because he was faithful in the shepherd season that he would be faithful in the king season later on in his life. He was faithful with sheep. He'd be faithful with people. Could there be something in your future that you're not aware of yet? And it's in this waiting season that you're in, and the way that you set yourself up to win is based off of what you're doing right now. So that quiet time that I mentioned, that time in small group, that time with friends or family, how you respond in this waiting season out of faith might determine the victory you have in the future. We're going to dive into that here in just a minute. But it's all dependent on how you respond in faith. Point number two, wait for God's timing. Wait for God's timing because culture tells you, tells us a lot. If you want it, go and get it. Like if it feels good, go and do it. Follow your heart. Whatever you're feeling, say, go ahead and do it. But in that, I don't see God's timing mentioned anywhere in that. Because you can go out and you can get what seems good or what might even have this good feeling, or you can wait on God's timing and wait on God's best in your life. So David is a young boy literally working in this field, and someone has to go and grab him and bring him back to this ceremony where they're trying to crown the next king. 
And as soon as he comes back, like, I believe that David has to have something on him, like this persona, this, this faith, this whatever you want to call it, because as soon as Samuel the prophet came into this ceremony, he was like, David's the next king, drops the mic and like walks away. Like David had something about him, and I think that it was his faith and that it was his obedience. And now that we know that David worked well and that he worked hard and that he was crowned to be the next king by the head prophet, we can assume that it was his time to be king now, right? No, it wasn't time yet. God's promise will rarely line up with your timing. I know it's not the most encouraging thing to hear, but you have to know that God's promise will rarely line up with our timing. But I want to encourage you with this verse in Isaiah 55. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is God talking. It will not, everyone say will not. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's a verse you could put on your fridge. It's saying when God speaks, it's never going to return void. There will always be fruit as long as we're obedient and faithful to what he says. So David, he has this promise that is spoken to him. And out of faith, he waits for that king season to come and he doesn't get discouraged. The next thing we hear about David is in chapter 16. It says that Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. Maybe that country singer could do that. I don't know. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So they go out and get David, but because he was working with sheep, he probably had to take a bath. You know what I'm saying? Like he had, he was probably... (laughs) He was probably a little dirty. Y'all caught that a lot better than first service. Congratulations. (laughs) So David is anointed as this next king, but he's still being a shepherd because God said it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Somebody, you're in a season and you need to hear that today. It's just not time yet for God's promise to come true. But can I encourage you? God is still there. He's still with you, but it's not time yet. But now David was invited to work with the current king. So David went from waiting in the wilderness to waiting in the palace. And David was going to be king of both places as long as he was faithful and obedient and waited on God's timing. So let's be clear, kind of going back to David and Goliath. David is not aware that there is a giant in his future. He has no idea. He has not been told. We haven't got to that part in Scripture yet. So David doesn't know there's a giant that's in his future. Could it be there's something in your future and the way that you set yourself up to win is based off of what you're doing right now? That quiet time that we need to have every day with God, that time in small group, those types of things, are we being faithful with those and so God can show up in the future? Did you know that, that Saul is currently in David's position that he was called to? Like Saul was sitting there Yet David, he goes and plays the harp for the king. Like when his Wi-Fi crashes, how many of that happened to y'all? Like when Saul's Wi-Fi went down, Netflix didn't work, David went and played the harp to make him feel better so he wouldn't get emotional. And then when the line at Taco Bell was like 22 cars deep because our Taco Bell here in town is always packed, David would go and play the harp to make the king feel better. He was there for his emotional support. David knew just because you're in your waiting season does not mean you're not moving. Just because you're in your waiting season does not mean you're not moving. Now, I believe that in the church culture sometimes we get up kind of mixed up with waiting and being still. 
There's definitely times in my life and in your life where we need to be still and let God do everything, to let God do his thing. But there's also times where we're waiting, but we still need to be moving towards God's promise in our life. We have to realize that in our waiting season, putting ourselves in the proximity of God's promise will allow him to promote us when the time is right. So walking towards that promise that God has given you will allow him to promote you when it's the right time. How many of you have heard the saying, dress for the job that you want, not the job you have? How many of y'all have heard that? Hands, yeah. So that was me. I wanted to be a youth pastor, but I was in retail. And so I started to wear youth pastor clothes. I kind of say this jokingly, kind of not. I was wearing the skinnier jeans. I was wearing those hoodies, kind of like with the cutoff arms. I don't even know what they're called. And then I was wearing these long t-shirts that go down to like, your upper knee, and Pastor James calls them a worship blouse. I was wearing these things because that's where, that's the job that I wanted, the career that's the calling that I had, to be quite honest. But I had chosen to get a degree and pursue retail, and I loved it. But I was reminded just the other night, we were in Tribes, which is our small group um, for our 8th through 12th grade students, and we were having a conversation. And one of the students, he didn't know me when we were in the old building, and it like, just popped in his mind and he said, you're the guy that used to wear your work uniform to church every Sunday. And I was like, yeah, that was me. That was the blue polo, the khaki pants, had it tucked in because I couldn't miss work, but I didn't want to miss church. And that was one of the hardest seasons of my life because I was wanting one thing, waiting on God's promise, working towards it. But I was still in another season that God was preparing me in faith for what he spoke to me when I was 14 years old. And the student, he said this last, or a couple of weeks ago, and it just like brought back the feelings and even the emotions of that season where there was a little bit of conflict and I was waiting on God's presence and God's promise. And look, I messed up a lot along the way from when I was 14 to now, and I'm still not perfect. But I ran from that promise that God gave me for a long season, for several years. And then I had to work and I had to wait for that promise that God gave me. And I'm so thankful that Pastor James and Pastor Cody, that they trusted and saw something in Haley and I before we saw it and entrusted us to lead the students of 8th through 12th grade in this church. But that was a hard season. But faith is having confidence that God is who he says he is and that he would do what he has promised to do. Having confidence that God is who he says he is and he has promised what, or he would do what he has promised to do. And there's still times, look, I question, like, God, am I really the right guy for this? Do I really have what it takes? And it's not really necessarily insecurity, but it's kind of scary leading people sometimes. It's kind of scary leading junior high and high school students because I was in that season, and I know what that's like. But make no mistake about it, when I hear God's voice speak to me, when I hear the Holy Spirit speak, and he tells me to fight for my family, to fight for my marriage, to fight for your students, to fight for our church or our city, God knows that he chose the right guy, because I know in my spirit it's game time and now it's time to fight. And that's point number three. When God says it's time, fight. Let's pick up our story in verse 11. On hearing the Philistines, this is Goliath's words, on hearing his words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. You know, when God speaks, he'll always speak to your faith. When the enemy speaks, he'll always speak to your fear. So that's the filter you could place on your thoughts when you wake up, when you're working, when you're at school, whatever it is, and you have these thoughts. If it's a faith thought, odds are it's probably from God. If it's a fearful thought, odds are it's you or the enemy. So use that as you go throughout your day as something practical you can apply tomorrow morning, today really. 
just a faithful thought or a fearful thought. Where did that thought come from? So eventually you have David is sent to the front lines to check on this battle, this war, whatever you want to call it. And he's called to check on his three brothers. And so he's called to bring them a bologna sandwich and then go back with this report to his dad and let his dad know how everything is going. And then David, it says he's talking to his brothers at the battle line. And Goliath stepped forward and shouted his usual defiance. That's important, usual defiance. And David heard it for the first time. And so we haven't mentioned yet that these trained soldiers, these men 20 years and older, had been at the battle line for close to 40 days. And Goliath had been taunting them every single day, and maybe more importantly, had been trashing the name of God. And so the Israelites, they were so scared, they were so terrified, like they were literally motionless. And so if you're a Razorback fan, you can picture it this way, World Series 2019. Two outs left, fly ball down the first base line, and the ball is in the air. We're about to catch it like we're terrified. We are scared because of what happened last year. But this is a lot more um, severe of a scenario, if you will. But you can imagine being scared and emotionless, not knowing what to do out of fear. But David heard what the enemy was saying, and he knew it was wrong, and he knew it offended God. See, David, his faith is all the size of God, not the size of the giant. David knew who God was. He knew in his spirit who God was and that his promise was going to come true as long as he was obedient. So I can imagine David probably had this high-pitched voice like, who said that? Who said that about, who said that about my God? And he starts like trash talking a little bit. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Everyone's like, no, 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 no. Like, Goliath, he didn't mean that. We're sorry. David, go. we told you to go home. And like, everyone's kind of freaking out because David is trash talking this guy that they're afraid of. But David is not scared, but his oldest brother hears him, and his brother is what the young folk would call a hater. Um, and in verse 28, he asks, why have you come down here? It's his brother talking to David. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? You came down to only watch the battle. This isn't in scripture, but I imagine that David said, watch what battle? Y'all are standing around eating snacks. Like y'all aren't doing anything. There's no battle going on. His brother, he saw him being faithful with the sheep and saw it as a downgrade. God saw David being faithful with the sheep and saw it as time for an upgrade. And this is where things got really good in the story. That thing or that season, maybe even that person that God has trusted you with right now, in the season you're going through right now, or maybe you have a family member going through something right now that God has trusted you with, it might not be easy. It might not appear to be cool. It might stink like sheep, like David's season. But could it be that God is seeing how you work with a little before God gives you a lot? He's trying to see how faithful you will be in this season before he gives you a lot. And in that waiting and in that working season, it's so important to not worry about what culture is telling you, to not worry about what your friends who aren't led by the Spirit is telling you, to worry about whoever else's opinion is coming at you because God is not building culture's faith. He's not building your friend's faith in your season. He's building your faith. He's building your faith right now. So you've got to be faithful in that season. So David, he hears this talk from the giant, and he ends up telling the king, because I kept my father's sheep safe, Saul, I'll keep your sheep safe. I'll keep the people safe with God's help. And so we kind of heard he grabbed a slingshot, and he grabbed some rocks. And this is why I love God's word. You can read it so many times. A lot of us are familiar 
with this story. Maybe you've heard it before, and I've read it countless times, but I've never saw this. It said that David put the rocks in his shepherd's bag. That David put the rocks in his shepherd's bag. I love that the bag that he was faithful with in the beginning is the same bag holding victory in the end. That thing that God has trusted you with, if you're faithful with it now, could it be that it's the key to victory in the future? That thing that God has for you. Chapter 17, this is Goliath. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. For the battle is the Lord's. Somebody, you're going through something. The battle is the Lord's. Hand it over to him today. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you, all the enemies, into our hands. Y'all know the rest of the story. He pulled out. The rock, put it in a slingshot, you know, Goliath, he falls on the ground and he's dead. See, it was a giant's mouth and it was a giant's pride that got him killed. And what I love about that is those same two things, David's mouth and David's pride could have got him killed if he didn't choose the right spirit in the waiting season. But he was faithful and he didn't open up his mouth until the right time to trash talk the giant And because David was patient and faithful, he didn't have to win by might, but he had to win by faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. David took down the giant because David had faith in who God was and what God said and what God had promised him. And like we talked about earlier, that's something you can only settle in your spirit. Only you can settle in your spirit. I can't settle it for you. The person sitting next to you can't settle your faith. Only you can settle what your faith is like in your spirit. And even though that the battle and the giant were literally right in front of David, what did he say still? He said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. That thing, that season, that fight that you have, maybe right now, you're no different. The battle is the Lord's. How you beat your Goliath every time is you have faith in who God is and what he says. And what I love about God, what I love about Jesus is that it's easier to have faith when you know who they are. doesn't mean that it's easy in general, but it's easier when you know the character of Jesus. And I love that in the New Testament that we can see how Jesus would respond to people, how he would respond out of love every time with grace and with truth. We can see how he would respond in different scenarios. And all throughout the New Testament, his character never changed. His promise never fell short, it always came true. But what I love about the Bible is that you can see Jesus in every book of the Bible. Now I know that his name is not explicitly written in the Old Testament, but I believe you can see his character. You can see him fighting for the Israelites time after time after time with grace because they kept messing up. You could see how he was consistent. He was the same Jesus in Genesis that he was, that he is in Revelation. I love that you can see Jesus throughout the Bible. In Genesis, I see Jesus as the seed that bruised the serpent's head. And in Exodus, 
Y'all, he's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that led the Israelites out of Egypt and out of captivity. In Leviticus and Numbers, he's the high priest interceding and fighting for the sins and the transgressions of his people in the holiest of holies. And in Deuteronomy, we see Jesus as the bearer of everlasting arms, supporting his people who can no longer fight because they're too tired. And then Joshua, he's the captain of the host of the army of the Lord, which means he's fighting for us. And then in Judges, he's the sword of the Lord, same thing. In Ruth, he is the perfect husband who takes on the imperfect bride. In 1 and 2 Samuel, as we talked about today, he is that rock that came from a slingshot to take down the giant that would take down our giants in his timing with his promise, fighting for his people. In 1 and 2 Kings, he's the whirlwind of power and the chariot of fire that called Elijah to heaven. And in 1 and 2 Chronicles, he's the full splendor and glory of God that filled the temple of Solomon from wall to wall. And can I tell you, in Ezra and Nehemiah, he is a voice calling to the nation of Israel saying, go home. Rebuild the walls of the ancient and holy city of Jerusalem. God is always, Jesus is always about rebuilding things, restoring them, bringing them back to life. And in Esther, I believe it or not, I, I see Jesus as a queenly figure, interceding for the people that she so dearly loves. And in Job, Jesus is the one who relates with Job when Job cries out to God, Lord, even though you slay me, I will trust in your name. I will trust in your plans. I will trust in your promise. And in Psalms, we've heard it said, he's our good shepherd who leads us by still waters and restores our soul and his character is still going strong. And then in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's the wisdom and wise instruction from a father to his son. In Song of Songs, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. I see Jesus there as beautiful, as magnificent. And in Isaiah, he is the flawless, the spotless lamb wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our sins for all of our sins, for all of your sins, for all of my sins. And in Jeremiah and Lamentations, I see him as this voice calling that youth saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew thee. I sanctified you, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And in Ezekiel, he is the wind that comes from the four corners of the earth that speaks and revives the valley of dry bones back to life for God's glory. And then in Daniel, I see Jesus as a rock again but this time it came from the mountain, not by hand, to crush all other opposing nations. And in Hosea, he's a loving and affectionate husband who redeemed, who fought for the sinful bride. He still went after her. And in Joel, he is our provision. He is the former and the latter reign. He is what we needed yesterday and what we will need tomorrow. Character is still the same. And in the books of the prophets of Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, Jesus is the first and the last voice of those prophets spoken since the very beginning of time to prepare a redemptive work for your soul and for mine. Thank you, Lord. And I'm so thankful, y'all, that Jesus showed up in person in the New Testament, right on time, not too late, not too early as a baby, swaddled in cloths, lying in a manger, but church, make no mistake about it, he was still the Lion of Judah. And in Mark, he was the healer of the blind. He was the savior that death could not defeat. And in Luke, he was a great physician, the Christ of Calvary and the resurrected Lord. And in John, he was the word who was made flesh, who dwelt among us. And in Acts, he is the power and the giver of power given to new believers on the day of Pentecost to shake the world upside down. And I believe he wants to do that again and it will be with his church. And in Romans, he is the only 
the only perfect fulfillment of the Old Testament law, the only one good enough to get all of us, you and me, into heaven. And in the letter to the Corinthians, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians, he's a perfect doctrine. He is the one fighting for that perfect doctrine of the church that we sit in today, the church of Jesus Christ, his bride. And in Hebrews, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who our faith is in. And then right before that, in Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's a dedication of those three young men to a lifetime of service to the name of Jesus that as a church, I pray that we emulate. And then Hebrews, and then James, Peter, John, and Jude, he is the greatest, the absolute greatest power of the universe. He's the power of love and of grace and redemption. And in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, church, Jesus is the revelation. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He's the culmination and the resolution to what you're going through. He's the culmination to the conflict of the ages. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And today I promise you, I promise you, if you place your faith in him, 100%, he says either zero or 100, that's what I want. 100%, if you place your faith in him, you'll no longer have to fight your battles most of the time. He's gonna fight them for you. And the ones he's not fighting, he's empowering you to fight. I wanna encourage you to place your faith in the one who was never lost, who was undefeated, who his character is flawless, that has never changed. He's the same from the beginning of time that he will be to the end of time. And I'm asking you today to place your faith in him. If you don't mind, all across the room, would you close your eyes and bow your heads. Today, in every day and in every season, you, you had the choice to where you bow in fear or you stand in faith. And today I'm aware there may be some people here, and I just got out of this season where you need God more than ever. You're tired of fighting. You don't have any more resources. You're exhausted. Everything that you've done, it seems like it's hitting a wall. If that's you today, and you just would admit that I need more of God's help in my life. I need Jesus to start fighting my battles. I'm tired. I'm weary. If that's you, would you raise your hands so I could pray for you real quick? I see you. I see you, I see there's tons of hands across the room. Lord, thank you for every hand, knowing that it's somebody right now admitting that they are weak, but that you are strong. And that it's by the same power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that you will give them power to fight their battles, Lord. And you'll also go before them and behind them. You will be on all sides of them fighting for them. God, give them a new breath. Give them new strength, new energy, not even when they wake up tomorrow, today, right now, Lord. Lift the heads of your children. Encourage them, Lord. We believe that's gonna happen. Also, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have at some point, but there was a time, there was a season that you're in right now that you know he's not number one in your life. You know that he's not your top priority. He's not in the center of your heart. And you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior. If either one of those two people are you, would you raise your hands? No one looking around so I could pray for you. I see you. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. I see your left-hand side. I see you. Right here in the middle. I got you in the back. I got you. Right here in the front. I got you. On the side, I see you on my right. Got you. Got you. 
Anybody else here, man, you, you just know you got to make this guy that we've been talking about your Lord and Savior. You might not understand it all right now. You might not have the answer to every question. I would encourage you, now is not the time to be prideful. If you're here and you know you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, anybody else, I got you. Thank you. Thank you. The word says that raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth does. And so you don't have to say these exact words that I'm about to say, but you can pray a similar prayer right there in your seat. You can say, Jesus, I need you. And I know that I've messed up. I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I have fallen short of your standard. But I do know that you died on the cross for me. And the blood that you shed, it covers my sins. It covers my weaknesses. And I know that when you died, you rose again. And that because I'm placing my faith and trust in you, I now have your spirit on the inside of me to walk in confidence, to walk in faith in your promise and in your plan. Guide me by your spirit every day. Help me to find a life group that supports and encourages me. Help me to be consistent in my quiet time. Be my best friend. Be my Lord and Savior. God, I thank you so much that you are still moving, Lord. And in this last song of worship, man, you're going to put an exclamation mark on some people's stories and some people's lives. And so we ask that you would do that just like you did in first service and like you do every weekend here, Lord. And even as the altar team is down front in just a moment, God, would you speak to people that just need someone to back them in prayer, they need to have their back. We give you the glory today. We celebrate because you are so good. We thank you for pursuing us and loving us and covering all of our mistakes. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.